All right. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Okay. Well, today, guys, we are in our 10th week of the Sermon on the Mount. Can you believe it? <laughs> 10 weeks. It's been a good ride. Um, so I've kind of think, I've been thinking about this, and it's almost like if we were flying a plane, this would be like our initial descent into where we're going. So, so if we're beginning to land the, the plane of the journey, or the Sermon on the Mount. And last week, Matt talked about how living in the love of God's kingdom enables us to live in compassion with one another, not in judgment or condemnation. And today's passage is kind of a follow-up to that. So if we're not to judge or condemn one another to get what we want, how then do we live as kingdom citizens with God and with one another in our prayer to the Father and in our relationships? The passage today says that we seek, we ask, we seek, we knock, trusting that God is a loving Father who gives freely to those who ask. So I have a story for you guys, and I just have a little caveat. This may or may not have happened recently. <laughs> this may or may not have happened more than once. So see if you can relate to this story. You might be able to. So the story is I was out grocery shopping. I usually go once a week and do the whole shebang. Um, and at the time I had you know our gaggle of kids with us. Uh, it was a really long grocery trip. Let me just say it that way. It was really long. We finally get home, pull into the garage. All of my kids run into the house. And so I'm left carrying in all the groceries. So I'm coming in and I've got like, you know, 16 bags in each hand. So we've got kind of a big family. Carrying all these groceries in. I'm trying to close the door like with my foot. You know, I'm dropping bags. So I finally get in and I turn around and I see my spouse sitting on the couch watching soccer <laughs> you know he's kicking it back and all I hear is hey honey I'm carrying all these bags right and instantly I feel this irritation brewing in my heart but instead of asking for help I go over to the kitchen counter slam down the bags aggressively start pulling them out and putting them into the shelves so I've got another one for you. <laughs> this time I had been in the midst of cleaning, probably for a couple hours now. I had just gotten done with all the bathrooms. I had scrubbed down the kitchen. I'm moving on to the vacuuming. I come into the living room as I'm plugging in, you know, the cord to the, to the vacuum. I turn over and again, I see my spouse <laughs> sitting on the couch. But this time, <laughs> this time, she thinks it's hilarious. This time, he's reading a book and sipping hot coffee. Yeah. And I'm thinking, oh, I love coffee. And I love reading. And I feel it again. I feel this irritation brewing in my heart. But instead of asking for help, again, I you know, just go over and I get the vacuum ready and I just start madly vacuuming, you know, and like moaning as I bend over to pick up a toy to get it off the ground, you know. Um, and I feel this irritated. Now it's coming to a boil, right? And so he's got his feet on the couch. Instead of asking him to lift up his feet, I just start ramming him into, the, into his feet, you know. 
This this was her first husband, by the way. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. right. Right. So again, this may or may not have happened recently. May or may not have happened more than once. I don't know if you guys can relate or if it's just me. But why is it so hard to ask for what we want? It's hard, isn't it? Because. I don't know about you guys, but we have alternatives. I have alternatives to asking for what I want. Sometimes uh, I avoid asking for what I want, hoping to get it by subtly hinting or manipulating behind the scenes. You know, at the time I was thinking, you know what, he should know what I need. Like, he should know that I'm exhausted and I shouldn't have to ask for help. He should see me carrying in all these groceries and be like, Oh, she looks like she might need help. <laughs> Come over and help, right? Uh, so I hint, I suggest, I allude. Uh, sometimes I express a feeling instead of a desire. Ugh, I feel so tired from doing all this housework. Something like that. Or I show uh, disappointment or anger instead of asking, you know, slamming those cupboards still closed. Or even complaining as a way of getting the desire without naming it. I hate cleaning so much. <laughs> or maybe we might avoid asking because we're afraid of what others might think. You know, um, like if we were, if we're, need to go to a teacher to ask help for an assignment, and maybe I hesitate because, eh, what if they think I wasn't listening during class? Or maybe I need to ask a friend for a ride home. But again, I pause because what if, what if I've asked them for too many rides? And what if they're annoyed with that? Or maybe I ask a coworker at work to, to fill in for me. But again, what if, I'm, what if they already have too much on their plate? What if I'm burdening them? So it's easier to just skip it. Perhaps you think it's not okay to ask for what you want. That it means if I ask for what I want, I'm being selfish, I'm being needy, I'm being a bother to other people. And we also sometimes avoid asking in prayer. Because the question of unanswered prayer is really hard, especially if they're really big issues that we're praying for. What if I don't get what I'm asking for? What does that mean, then? It's really hard. It's hard to ask for what we want. It's hard for me to ask for what I want. It gets complex and complicated really quickly. It's difficult because it's vulnerable, you know? Asking is vulnerable. It's, it's putting ourselves out there. It's making our desires known. And there's always that possibility of rejection or refusal in our asking. It exposes me as someone who's needy, who's someone who's weak, and quite honestly, sometimes it's simply easier to just avoid it altogether. Now the other alternative to, to asking, so there's avoiding or denying, but there's also demanding, you know? When we uh, say, you know, you should know what I, need, what I need, you should ask. That's a form of demanding. Uh, our three-year-olds, know this really, really well. Can I get an amen, parents? <laughs> they know to say what they want and demand it, right? I remember when my kids were little, 
setting a plate of food down in front of them at the lunch table, and instantly, you get the grumpy face, right? You get the grumpy face. I don't want carrots. I don't even like the color orange. <laughs> They're too crunchy. I want pea pods. <laughs> so they're really good at this. They're really good at, at uh, you know, naming what they want, but then moving into demanding what they want, too. Sometimes demanding as a form of, like, standing up for our rights, you know? It's not fair that I have to do all this housework. You need to help me out. So we can use threats or punishment in our demanding. But the good news today, guys, is that in a world where our imagination of what to do with our desires is either to avoid naming them or demand that others fulfill them, today we proclaim the good news that God's love frees us to get real about our desires and simply ask for them, trusting that even though we don't always get what we want, when we get real, we always get God. When we get real, we always get God. In the kingdom, we learn to ask for what we want. We learn to seek for what we're looking for. We learn to knock when we want the door to be opened. And that's in our relationships with each other and in prayer, with others and with God. And we're doing that trusting that even though I may not get my request, when I get real about what I want and ask, I always get God. So let's take a deeper look at the passage. In our passage today, it begins with three exhortations in verse 7, followed by three promises in verse 8, and then it's all anchored together in verse 9 through 11 in the character of God. And like I said before, this passage springboards from last week. Do not judge and condemn in order to get what you want from people, but instead live like this with each other and with God. So these promises are followed by the exhortations. Ask, and you'll receive. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. And in this ask, seek, and knock, it's literally in the Greek, it's keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. So instead of you know, hiding what we want, avoiding it because of fear, or demanding we get what we want, we're just honestly and vulnerably asking, seeking, and knocking. And it's with an open hand, too, right? Sometimes, I don't know if you guys have had people ask for what they want, and it's, or have asked for what you want, and there's certain strings attached to that. <laughs> but this asking is with an open hand. No strings attached, just a request. And in that asking, God meets us to give us what we need, sometimes receiving what we ask for, other times receiving an opportunity to have our desires shaped and sanctified by God. But either way, when we ask, we always get God. We always get his presence. And this is what we really need. You guys remember a few weeks back when uh, the portion of Scripture said, your Father in Heaven knows what you need. Have you guys ever wondered 
why ask God what we need if he already knows? The thing is, the asking is connection. God wants relationship with us, not just to give us what we need. He's not just a good provider. He's a loving father who wants to interact with us. He wants to connect and relate with us. That's how it is with my family at our, at our kitchen table. You know, I love to ask my kids questions. I love it when they ask me questions. That's how we're being a family together. So at the end of this passage, Jesus is anchoring these petitions in God's goodness as a father, saying, if we humans who are evil are good enough to give good gifts to our children, why wouldn't God be at least as good as us? And I think of our our passage from the Old Testament, too. Can a mother forget her baby? Though she may forget, I will not forget. I will not forget you. He's a good father, unlike any father we've ever known. And Jesus wants us to see that he is a father who really does care and wants us to ask, and we can trust that he's working to bring that which brings flourishing to us, true flourishing. Our shopping trips lately with our kids, I feel like I have to prepare myself for them internally because of all the asking, especially with my youngest, who shall not be named. (laughs) She's got a very strong asker. Typically, lately, it's been, uh, you know, clothes and shoes as they're getting older, but it's always candy. We cannot go by the candy aisle without them asking. And you know what? It's fine. The asking is good. If they weren't asking, I, I would probably be concerned. There would probably be a, a problem if my kids were never asking for anything. But in my no, it's spoken from a place of love. You know, I don't want your teeth to rot and fall out of your head. It's too much candy, especially during Halloween. <laughs> but I'm calling my kids to trust my love and care in their asking. So for us, it's knowing God's love and his goodness. And that prompts us and compels us to ask. And it also prompts and compels us in our relationships to ask. Because if we know that we lack no good thing, then we don't have to try and get from other people. Our asking can simply be a request with no strings attached. So it's this foundation of who God is. And through this passage, Jesus is teaching his disciples, go to God, go to him, ask him, and expect him to respond. I've wondered why he needed to say that to his disciples. And I'm wondering if perhaps it's because the disciples were questioning whether or not they could, if God would really answer their prayers. Remember from a few weeks ago, we talked about how the culture back then was a pagan culture where you you had to do a bunch of things to get God to answer, run through all the prayers and hope that one of the gods might be listening because God was uncaring, he was fickle, and you almost had to twist his arm to get him to even listen. So that was where the disciples were coming from, and that's what they were wrestling with. 
Some people see this verse, and I remember reading this when I first became a Christian, um, thinking this, this verse is a guarantee that we're going to get what we want, you know? But instead, it's, it's a promise that everything, everyone who everyone asks will be given. It isn't a promise, excuse me. It isn't a promise that everything everyone asks for will be given. Instead, it's, it's addressing us and it's addressing the disciples uh, who need to be assured that God indeed loves them and that they can trust him. So the disciples are being called to reevaluate and reconsider God's nature correctly as fatherly, as giving, that he's trustworthy and should be judged as such. So it's not making an absolute or universal promise that no child of God will ever suffer and they'll always get what they ask for. But instead, it's, it's casting a hopeful vision that forms our understanding of God's character and gives us a way of being in the world. This is what we're doing, learning to do in our DNA groups. We're learning to name our desire and hold it before God and before each other for discernment. It's that posture of open-handedness. Trusting that God is at work in our desires and that he's a good father who delights to give us good, good gifts. In a world where our imagination of what to do with our desires is either to avoid naming them or demand that others fulfill them, Today we proclaim the good news that God's love frees us to get real about our desires and simply ask for them, trusting that even though we don't always get what we want, when we get real, we always get God. In other words, it's, it's not a guarantee that what you're seeking you will get, but that you get God when you seek, in the process. You always get God, all of his love, all of his care, all of his goodness. So at the end of this passage is the famous golden rule. It's almost capping off the whole Sermon on the Mount. Because the, the next passage, as you guys will see next week, is basically saying, all of these things, go and do it. Do it in your life. Put it into practice. So the golden rule kind of caps it off. And it's one of those super memorable phrases. It's, it's famous for Christians and non-Christians alike. As I was studying for this, I found that uh, in the state of Kentucky, the DMV's final word for drivers is treat other drivers as you would want to be treated. <laughs> so it goes everywhere. And it's basically summing up everything that we've heard over these past 10 weeks. It's saying, therefore, in everything, love your neighbor as yourself that this saying is what it means to fulfill the teachings of scripture, the law and the prophets. And I'm not sure why they call it a rule. When I hear the word rule, I think it's like, you better do it or else. <laughs> it's not so much a rule as much as it is a vision. So I wonder if we should start calling it the golden vision. Do it. It's a vision of how to relate to people, right? It's a vision of how to relate to people. The golden vision describes a way of being in the world that's based on the good life, the good life of the kingdom. It's this love that enables us to freely ask and seek and knock. 
in a world where our imagination of what to do with our desires is to either avoid naming them or demand that others fulfill them, today we proclaim the good news that God's love frees us to get real, to ask for what we want. And even though we may not get what we want, we can go trusting because when we ask, we always get God. So here's my experience with this lately. Frankly, it's a daily battle for me to intentionally name my desires, not only in my relationships, but also with God in prayer. It's something that I have to keep in the forefront of my mind constantly because it's so easy for me to slip back into hinting or avoiding. It's always a risk. It always feels like a risk and a journey, and, and it's not always clear. But what's hitting me today, especially in this good news, is that in my asking, whether I'm getting or not, whether good things happen or bad things happen, I always get God. I always get Him. Which is really good news for me, because this sort of fear of abandonment, of being without support or guidance, like that's my thing. <laughs> that's my crutch. That's what I constantly fall into. So what I'm asking for right now is a church space for our, for our community, which is so frustrating for me, if I'm honest. I think, golly, why is this taking so long? It's easy to become angry at people that we're, we're asking, we're seeking and knocking on their door, and sometimes they don't even reply. <laughs> and I think, ah, why can't they just reply? Just even with a no. So I'm tempted to, like, in my anxiety, I'll just take it on. I'll just go do this. I'll get it done. But coming back to that place, reminding myself, God cares more about this than I do. God cares more about this than I do. And then naming my desire, asking for what I want, and then trying to trust in the goodness that God is a father who sees us. He sees our community. He cares and he's able. He really, really is good, willing, and able. So just learning to rest in that is where I'm at today. I wonder what God is saying to each of you today. What happens to our prayers if we really do believe God is good? What changes in our relationships if we really believe that we lack no good thing? God today is inviting each of us to name our desires and to ask to simply ask. And we can do this because we always have the God of abundance and love. And in that comes great, great freedom. So I'd love for us to just take a few minutes and respond to this. We always want to be responding to the good news that we're hearing each week. So I'm wondering specifically, where does this show up for you? What comes to mind as you hear these stories? Maybe a relationship comes to mind for you that, that you think, you know what, I really have a hard time asking this person 
what I want. For some reason, it's difficult. It's easy to slip into avoiding or demanding. And I just want to encourage you guys, just, just be looking for that this week. As you're going about your day, as you're at work, as you're at school, as you're at home, just be noticing when that happens. And just notice it. No judgment, no condemnation. There's none of that in the kingdom. Just notice it and just start to process. Just ask yourself some questions. Why is it that that's so difficult? What am I afraid of in my asking with this person? Perhaps it's something for you in prayer that comes up today. You realize that maybe there's something that you've been asking for for a while and it's just felt frustrating and maybe you've given up on that. Maybe it's something that, that you hesitate to even step into asking for fear of what might be on the other side. So I want to give us an opportunity to, to express that together, to stand in that place together. So in our prayer books, we've got a little prayer that we're going to pray together as we usually do. And in it, it says, Loving Father, I name my desire for, and I ask that. Help me to trust in your goodness and care for me. Then you can say, Lord, in your mercy, and we'll all stand with you and say, hear our prayer. All right? Okay. Let's just take a minute in silence. Let those things come to mind. And I'll start us off in these prayers.